0: hello friends good morning this is your friend PK and it's a joy to come your way with God's truth Um, let's pray our heavenly father we want to thank you for today we are grateful for um, the precious gift of life that you have graciously bestowed on us we can't take credit for it because this is purely your grace and so we say receive all the praise that is due unto your name Father we we have another opportunity to uh, go into your word it's my prayer in the name of Jesus that you would minister your word unto our hearts with clarity and with power that you do only what you can do to bring yourself honor and glory let this podcast serve that end and that end only in Jesus name, Amen Beloved thank you so very much for allowing me into your space today it's a privilege I, I don't take for granted at all, so thank you so much in our previous podcast, we we began uh, a series of um, teaching, um, which had to do. We wanted to know what it really means to be, what it really means to be a Christian. Um, as the day goes by, um, my conviction gets more entrenched. Uh, it's it gets more solidified that majority of us in this country who, who claim to be Christians are ignorant about that claim and we really don't know what we are professing. Because as the day goes by, I mean, in the conversation, if you, are, if you get the opportunity to eavesdrop in any uh, conversation of, of, of ordinary people, You'll get a sense, you walk away with a sense of sadness in your heart about the about the about the grave ignorance that exists and pervades our society. I mean, when it comes to matters of Christianity, everybody assumes the status of of an expect. <laughs> that bothers me a great deal. When we are discussing matters of Christianity, even musicians—I mean, they put on the hat of experts and and they tell us what they think it is a situation. And um, you you have millions of people jumping on to say, "Well, yeah, yeah, he's right. I I, I think he's spot on." And uh, and and uh, the Christianity we we, we we claim to be Christians, and yet and yet we are corrupt. My friends, there's nothing like that. If any person is truly a Christian, the tax that you associate with such people will not hold. Because the biblical definition of what it means to be a Christian is different from what you see. And it's different from what you are. And so it's important that from time to time we remind ourselves of what the Bible teaches about the christian faith so that you don't build your 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 definition of what christianity is by the way somebody purportedly is living his or her life as a christian i mean we we don't live our lives that way in any other in any other um arena but when it comes to the christian faith we we, we conclude by just looking at what people do and there are all kinds of people um, doing all kinds of things in this country. You know, in, in, in many of the professions, you, you have doctors, some doctors misbehaving. You have some lawyers misbehaving. You have some people misbehaving. But nobody comes to the conclusion that that is how the profession is. Or that is, that is, a, that is a typical definition. Or that is a, that is a way of life. As, that, as, as a professional in that particular profession. I mean, nobody comes to that ridiculous conclusion. But some way, somehow, when it comes to the Christian faith, you look at some people living their lives and then you come to a simple conclusion that, look, that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. And so, and so my whole aim and purpose in this teaching series is to go into the Bible with you so we see the definitions as have been profited by the scriptures. And we will measure it against ourselves. If we claim to be Christians, we measure it against ourselves to, to see whether or not we are in the faith. And if we are not Christians, it gives us a perspective with which to judge everything that puts it, that comes under the guise of Christianity. Yeah. So that's the that is my singular aim and purpose. And it's my prayer that by the end we come by by, by, by the end of this episode and even the subsequent episodes, you yourself will be convinced about what it means truly to be a Christian and so we took a key text from John chapter 3 and I'm going to read with you John chapter 3 from verse 1 to verse 8 now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus um, a ruler of the Jews this man came to Jesus by night and and said to him Rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him and that which is born of the spirit the spirit do not marvel that i said to you you must be born again the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit amen fascinating conversation between between our blessed lord jesus and um, a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. He, he not, not only was he a Pharisee; he doubled up as a ruler of the Jews. And like I told you in our previous podcast, I mean, that was that was that was a, a very palatable credential. Look, he, he, he was he, he was among the finest few of his day in Israel. I mean the the people closest to god in the eyes of the people nicodemus was one of the fewest people in that category not only was he a not not only was he a pharisee a pharisee were there were the set apart ones were the consecrated ones who, who gave their lives to meeting every requirement of the law dotting their eyes and crossing their teeth with a kind of of, of jews Gave their lives to the sanctity of the laws of God, to follow it to the letter. On top of that, he was a ruler of the Jews, and the ruler of the Jews, the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin was Mullah, the Supreme Court uh, of their day, and it's the justices on that on that Supreme Court um, is seventy men, in addition to the High Priest, so seventy-one people. Um, of, the, of the thousands of people in, in, in Israel in that day 71 people sit on their supreme court and so they give adjudication on, on matters governing their law and how they live their life as Jews so, so this, is, this, is, this is the creme de la creme of Jews and so physically speaking and religiously speaking Nicodemus had no had no, had no dent on his credentials as a religious man. And he comes to Jesus. And begins a conversation with our Lord Jesus. And and, and then he enters the discourse. With a flat out flattery. And Jesus, Jesus is able to decipher. Because the Bible says in John chapter 2. That he didn't entrust himself to man. Because he knew what was inside of man. And so at this point. He, he also saw the clear hypocrisy of the heart of nicodemus with all those sweet words and, and jesus says he brushes them off quickly and then the verse three he, he tells nicodemus point blank truly truly i say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god so that was what we got to in our previous um, um in our previous episode but nicodemus asks a very seemingly logical question in the verse 4 he says how how is it possible I mean how can a man who is grown get back into his mother's womb and be born that's not possible like I said seemingly on top of it at the face value uh, you may think and you may agree with Nicodemus that well that's a very logical question but if you pry into it if you probe into it you realize that uh, well uh, that is not so great a question it's actually a petty question yeah it's very petty because not only grown-ups would find it impossible to get back into their mother's wombs to be born. In fact, anybody after exiting the womb will find it impossible to get back to the womb. So, physically speaking, after exiting the womb, our children, after children exit the womb of their mothers, <laughs> it's impossible for them to be sent back into the womb. So, by 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 that, by that by that thinking Nicodemus should have been able to decipher that "Uh, this man is not referring to me on a physical note he must be communicating something beyond the physical realm something beyond the realms of the physical realms but Jesus was gracious to him and so he descends a notch below um, all with the aim of getting Nicodemus uh, to be on level terms with him and so the verse 5 Jesus answered truly truly I say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God so Jesus repeats what he said in the verse 3 that Nicodemus failed to get he says I'm telling you again Nicodemus (laughs) I know this is hard for you to receive it because you are a Pharisee and on top of that you are you are a ruler of the Jews but I'm telling you unless you are born of water and of the spirit. You will notice that in the verse 3, Jesus says, unless one is born again. In the verse 5, now he's giving further and better particulars so that he equates being born again or he defies being born again to be born of water and the spirit. Born of water and the spirit. To me, this is the linchpin of the entire discourse between Jesus and Nicodemus. This is the heart of the discussion. And, and, and incidentally, it is the heart of the Christian faith. And this, this is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. Jesus says, unless you are born of water and the spirit. On the one hand, in the verse 3, he says, unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. In this, in this verse, he says, unless you are born, he's explaining what it means to be born again. He says, being born again means born of water and the spirit. So first of all, Jesus clears the air um, about any physical connotations that Nicodemus was giving his statement. Jesus, in effect, in this statement, in this verse, says that Nicodemus, I'm not referring to physical birth. Well, how do I know that? Look at the verse 6 and the verse 7. That which Jesus goes on to explain further. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So, Jesus in effect says that, while well, your mother gave birth to you, well, that's flesh. Yes, that's a fleshly point of it. I mean, that's a physical birth. But what I'm referring to is the spiritual kind. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit, Jesus says, is spirit. And so, in effect, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, the kind of birth that I'm referring to is the spiritual kind. So in other words, being born again is a spiritual birth. Yes, there's a physical birth. That's not what I'm pointing to. I'm pointing to the spiritual birth, Nicodemus. And you need that. Because if you don't have that, you can't go into the kingdom of heaven. You cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You cannot enter through into the kingdom of heaven. I know as a Pharisee, you think you, you have it all together. And there are some people who by meeting some religious, strict religious practices think themselves to be the closest to, in fact, the Lord should open the the, the doors of heaven. They are the very first people whose names will be called upon to enter through the, through, the gates. And nothing can be farther from the truth. Jesus tells Nicodemus in the faith, you need a spiritual path. So born of water, and the spirit. What does it mean? What was Jesus trying to communicate? Well, we will take our time to break it down for you to understand. You have to be born again and you have to be born of water and the spirit. Well, in John chapter 6, in John chapter 6, uh, verse, verse 63, the very first part, Jesus makes a very astonishing statement. Listen, he says, it is the spirit who gives life the flesh is of no avail it is the spirit who gives life it is the holy spirit who imparts life jesus says the holy spirit is a life giver just as your mother gave you life and brought you on this earth the person who can give you life and send you to the heavens and send you to the kingdom of god and cause you to see the kingdom of heaven the Holy Spirit he is the one who grants spiritual life Nicodemus and you need that kind of life so it's the Holy Spirit you recall in Genesis the book of Genesis Genesis chapter 1 the Bible says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and what and darkness was upon the face of the deep right and what else? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. It was until that time, it was on, It was up until then, that Jesus said, that God said, let there be light. Until the Holy Spirit brood, brooded over the surface of the deep. It was until then, that that beauty began to emerge out of chaos that order began to emerge out of chaos the holy spirit is a life giver he gives life to dead things you recall in 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 the situation in the case of in the episode of jesus's birth jesus physical birth where the angel was sent uh, to marry the virgin and then the angel says to Mary well you are highly favored and that you are going to give birth to to the messiah and and that Mary says well how is that going to be possible you, you know that i i do not know a man i i am a virgin so how is that going to happen and you recall the the wonderful st- testimony of the of the angel to the Mary he says to to Mary he says um well yes that's true but um that's not a problem why? Because the Holy Spirit will, will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. <laughs> the Holy Spirit gives life. He, he's the one who gave life to the womb of Mary for something to be conceived inside thy womb when a sperm has not been released into that womb. He, he, he gives life. He gives life. And so Jesus says in John chapter 3 verse 5 that Nicodemus unless you have received unless you have received the life that the spirit gives you cannot enter the heavens you cannot go into the kingdom of God Now how does the spirit gives this life and I bless God that the response in the verse 5. Let's go back to the verse 5. He says, unless one, unless one is born of water. So, the Holy Spirit imparts life through the instrumentality of water. Well, um, some people have said, that means baptism, right? No, wrong. It's not baptism. Baptism is not Baptism is not what is being referred to here. Again, don't forget, Jesus means nothing physical. He's referring to a spiritual sense. And so when he says water, it has nothing to do with baptism. Baptism is only an external depiction of what has already taken place in the heart of the person. All right. Yes, it's important. The sacrament of baptism is important. I believe it with all my heart. But that's not what Jesus is referring to here. So then, if, if it is not baptism, then what it is, I'm glad you asked. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. And I'll run you through a number of scriptures to make a point that Jesus is not referring to water baptism. For us to get what it means. He saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness. I think some people need to hear the statement by Paul to Titus, his son. He saved us who? God saved us not not because of works done by us in righteousness. My friend, you cannot make it to heaven by your own records of good deeds. Some people say let your good deed outweigh your bad deed. No, it's not possible you cannot get into heaven by that kind of act. You can't. But by your own act of righteousness, you can't make it to heaven that way. But Paul says, but according to his own mercy... By washing, by the washing of regeneration, and that's the point. By the washing of regeneration, <clears throat> by the washing of regeneration. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed. Praise God. You were washed. So spiritually speaking, you need need to be cleansed. You need to be washed. Of course, what are you being washed with? With water. With water. You need to be washed with water. You need to be washed with water you are spiritually dirty you need to be cleansed and by the way this washing of this washing with water or this water is not only a New Testament reality in fact it was prophesied about in the Old Testament by the prophet Ezekiel for example Ezekiel 36 let's look at Ezekiel 36 let's start reading from verse 25 Ezekiel 36 25 I will sprinkle water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you did you hear that I will sprinkle what water on you and again th- 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 this is not a physical This th- nothing, nothing physical is meant here G- God was not telling Ezekiel to tell the Israelites to line up by the river Jordan so that he will begin to scoop water upon them. No. This is a spiritual matter. Verse says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. You, you see why it's a, it's a spiritual thing? Yeah. I, and I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules." Did you notice... How many times the word I was used in these two verses, three verses? I will sprinkle water on you. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone. I will put my spirit within you. I, I, I. What does this signify? It signifies that being born again is, is purely an act of God. He does it. He cleanses you with water. He puts a new heart within you. He takes away the heart of flesh, the heart of stone to give you a heart of flesh. He does it. It is an act of God. It is a work of God. You don't contribute to it. It's purely an act of God. You have nothing to do with your spiritual birth, just as you have nothing to do. You had nothing to do with your physical birth. Anybody who was, who is was a Christian today had nothing to do with him being a Christian just as he had nothing to, to do with being born in the physical sense. No, your physical birth, you had nothing to do with it. I didn't tell my parents that, Mom and Dad, I, I think time is now up for me to come into the world, so um, I, I think you guys should get busy. No, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't exist. So I couldn't make any contributions to it. In the same vein, when I became a Christian, I played absolutely no part in it. It was purely an act of God. He did it from beginning to end. Now, let me show you something in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 26. So, uh, so you have clearly seen that there has to be a cleansing with water. Now, what water? What is that water? That he might, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6, Verse 26 That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, listen to this, by the washing of water with the word. By the washing of water with the word. So, the water there is the word that washes and cleanses us. Which word? The word of God, of course. The word of God's word. God's word is the water that the Holy Spirit uses to effect or to bring about. Regeneration of to bring about the new birth, the spiritual birth in John 15, verse 3. Listen to what Jesus says, he makes a very fascinating comment there. He says to his disciples, Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Because of what the word it is, the word that cleanses, it is the word that washes us, it is the word that makes us spiritually. Purified the word. The word. Listen to Peter, 1st Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Praise God. So Peter also Peter also attests to the fact that being born again is a is, is, is a work wrought through the word of God or wrought by the word of God. The Holy Spirit uses the, the word to bring about regeneration or to bring about the spiritual birth. Are, are you beginning to see the vital importance that the word of God plays in Christian ministry? Is it any wonder that the, the early church they didn't want anything to interrupt their ministry of the word? Yeah, In Acts chapter 6, verse 2, listen to this. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said to them, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. It is not proper. I mean, we cannot we cannot neglect God's word and begin to serve tables. It's not proper. The verse four, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, to the ministry of the word. It is it is of vital importance. That the word of God has its place in Christian ministry because that is the that is the instrument God uses to bring about the change in the hearts of men. That is a that it is through the instrumentality of the word that the Spirit brings about the spiritual birth of men. The word is it in the wonder Paul charges Timothy. He says, preach the word. Timothy preach the word be ready in season and out of season in other words Timothy when people are in season and they want to hear the word preach it when out of season they don't want to hear it still preach the word why? because it is a power of God unto salvation the word is what is used by the Holy Spirit to bring about the spiritual birth so I, I, are you beginning to see why it is so it is, it is foolhardy on the part of of ministers of the gospel to begin to preach what they think rather than God's word yeah the early disciples the, 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 the early church fathers I mean in, in Acts chapter 6 they says yeah, it's not proper it's not the right thing to do Please get some people to serve tables. We we would give ourselves to the ministry of the word. And in any case, the disciples who, who 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 began to fight with one another because of food, how did they become disciples? It was in it was in Acts chapter two, Peter preached. He Peter preached the word. And in Acts chapter three, he preached the word. That is how he they came in that is how they came in and that is how anybody becomes a Christian and that is how anybody gets into the flock of God it is through the instrumentality of the word the Holy Spirit picks on the word and begins to rot in the heart of man this change oh the blessed word of God is it a new word that the Bible says that nothing was made without without the word Yeah. in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was with God it's important it's so so much important now in John chapter in John chapter 3 verse 8 Jesus proceeds to make a very important point He, he begins to liken the new birth he likens I mean all this conversation about the new birth about the spiritual birth to the operations of the wind listen the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit praise God this is such a blessed thought Jesus says the operations of being born again or this this whole talk about spiritual birth it, it can be likened to the oppressions of the wind when the wind is blowing you can't see it yes when the Holy Spirit is working in the heart of men, you also can't see it. When the wind we we, we we don't know where the wind blows from and where it's headed, we don't know because we can't see it. In the same vein, when the word goes forth, like this word is going forth now, what the Holy Spirit is using this word to do in the heart of all my listeners, I can't tell, I don't know, I can't see it. But something is happening. Jesus says that even though you cannot see where the wind comes from and where it is headed yet its impact is obvious it's apparent It's as you hear its sound you hear its sound in the same vein even though you cannot see the Holy Spirit rotting life in the heart of men Yet, when, uh, when, that, when, that, when that operation of the spirit is complete, the effect is visible for all to see. Yes. In other words, it is not possible for the Holy Spirit to impact life into the heart of man and it will fail to bear fruit in the physical for us to see. It's impossible. It's impossible. Another thing that Jesus likens to the wind's operation, he says, the wind blows where it wishes. I mean, nobody coerces where the wind should blow to. It blows where it wishes. In the same thing, the Holy Spirit grants spiritual birth to whoever he, the Holy Spirit, wishes. It is foolhardy to coerce somebody to become a Christian. And that is why you cannot play on the emotions, on the sentiments of people to become Christians. No. It is, it is foolhardy to do that. Because it is, a, it is purely the work of God. You, you, you can't get somebody to be converted. You can't. It is a spirit who does his work and he will use the word that we will preach god's word and he will begin to work things in the heart of men and when they hear it when that change is going on we cannot be we we cannot detect it but when that change is complete the effect is visible and oh our next episode will be a blessed episode where we'll begin to focus on the on the signs of the new birth when the Holy Spirit has wrought that change and has impacted that life through the Word, the signs that follow, the signs that follow, some things will begin to tell everybody that something has happened in the heart of this man. Something has gone on in the heart of this woman. And so if you claim to be a Christian and there is no change, there is no visible change there are no fruits from that profession that profession is purely a fake fake profession. is it's you know it's not true it's counterfeit it's counterfeit and I'll not get ahead of myself I'll wait for our next episode to come, and then we'll begin to break them down one after the other. You would see, and all is from God's Word, it's a blessed thing. God's Word is so sufficient, it's so, so sufficient. He's given us everything we need to know. No wonder Paul Peter says, that, I mean, He has given us all things we need for life and godliness, everything is provided. And so, when somebody claims he's a Christian and he's beginning to act contrary to that claim you should know you should know that somebody is lying but the person who is lying is certainly not God's word it's the other person because God's word is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword and it is true it is true let's pray oh Lord my prayer that you will save unto yourself through this word Holy Spirit as many as will hear this word and I know yours would you Lord bring glory to yourself through your spirit by saving them by starting and beginning the work of spiritual birth oh God in the name of Jesus Make them your sons and daughters. And I pray as many as already your sons and daughters. May their faith be boosted and encouraged and strengthened even to leave them more for you. Daily pleasing you. Daily appreciating you for this gift that you wrought by yourself. Which they had nothing to do with. Which according to 1 Peter is an act of mercy. Thank you very much. For this morning and for this time together in Jesus' name, Amen. Beloved, God bless you so much. Thank you so very much for giving me this prized privilege to come and share God's word with you. Like I said, in our next episode, we'll begin to go into the signs, pick them one after the other, and and, and examine them. The signs, the signs of the new birth. It's such a blessed thought, you would be blessed. I don't want you to miss it. So listen to this podcast. Feel free to share them with friends and family. Until I come your way again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace, even now and forevermore. Amen. Bye-bye.